0: You're listening to the ESO network, your station for all things
1: geek.
2: Uh-oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs>
3: Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Earth Station One. We got a good one for you. We are going to be talking about Sabrina, the teenage witch, who is going to be celebrating her 60th anniversary of being in comics, being on TV, Being in cartoons, television shows, she's written even in movies. And so it's been pretty awesome. And Mr. Mike, why'd you pick
2: this one? It's pretty amazing. Howdy. We are, uh, obviously, we're doing the countdown Halloween. Wanted, uh, you know, all things spooky. We spent a lot of time with uh, various monsters, vampires, everything. I don't think we've really devoted a lot of time to witches so i thought what better way to uh you know to represent the witch community by uh celebrating the 60th anniversary of uh one of probably the most well-known witches of uh, all time oh very much uh. uh sabrina has uh definitely uh i don't even pe- pe- think people think of her as an archie character she's just sort of risen above all of that she started out in madhouse and now she has chilling adventures so it's uh she's had an incredible 60 years and uh, it's a lot to talk about but we've got a lot of really cool people to talk all about it
3: oh we do we do we do and we definitely would love to hear from you guys too please write us feedback at dot onecom you know let us know what your memories of her You know, of Sabrina and, you know, did you watch her cartoons as a kid or did you start her in the comic books or even with um, the season, the series that was on ABC and then the CW. So it's pretty awesome that you can, you know, look at the different times. And that also shows how old you are, too. (laughs) I know, right? Which is pretty fun. But definitely check it out. Um, we definitely would love to hear from you guys. And of course, you know, we have our new YouTube channel. So please subscribe, give us a thumbs up, give us a thumbs down. And somebody actually did give us a thumbs down. So it's, you know, I was like, what? Somebody gave us
2: a thumbs down. So the you know, the anti-Howdy movement has begun.
3: Exactly. Actually, it was on the Munsters, uh segment we did. And so I was kind of uh... surprised on that. So. We'll talk about that, you know, and everything. But it's it's been a lot of fun. We've been getting some great feedback from people about our videos. And, you know, you actually get to see, you know, Mike and I talk to our guests and for the main topics. Or if we do a Geek Seat segment, it's pretty darn awesome. And, you know, it's just a ton of fun that we get to be able to associate with them and actually get to see us associating with it. And it's also even more fun because when we mess up, We uh, don't, you know, we don't edit our videos. So, you know, you get to see the mess ups we do on that. So definitely check it out. Uh, Just look up our station one up on YouTube and we are up there. We would love to hear from you guys about that. Also, a quick shout out to our patrons. Our patrons are our lifeblood here on the network. And we want to say thank you for everyone who has been supporting the ESO network. We you know are doing really well with that, and we got some great stuff. We're getting ready actually to put up there exclusive for patrons the tenth anniversary panel of the e s o network to be able to you know it was myself, Mike Gordon, of course, Kevin Eldridge, and Mary Ogle, and we had a nice crowd and we had a great discussion and we kept it very light we didn't go into a lot of details, and then we used the technical stuff here and you know blah blah blah, but that's going to be all going up on. Um, up onto uh, exclusive for our patreon folks and so you know definitely can check it out should be up there probably fairly close to when this goes live up on patreon too so definitely please give us a shout just look up patreon.com slash eso network and you could too for as little as 25 cents a week get very exclusive material like that and so if you give us a little more you get some eso swag you get all this different kind of stuff And if you go high enough, even you can be in the geek seat. That's a little, you know, fun stuff there. So it's pretty cool. Also, let's say howdy to our friends over at Tifosi Optics. Tifosi Optical is an amazing sunglass company. And you know what? Even though it's starting to get a little bit cooler and, you know, the the fall is here, folks. That's a great time to spend out time. Go walking and get to see stuff in the woods, or go in on a hiking trail, or go hang out at the water, or go look at the leaves change. You know, Tifosi Optical could handle all that kind of stuff. And you know what? You could pick out from all different kinds of glasses, including sunglasses, which they're mostly known for. Check out com, and you also can get 10% off your order. That's right, folks, not just one piece of glasses, 10% off your whole order. Put in the code EarthStation1 into the coupon code, and we will be a, definitely be giving you 10% off as a way of saying thank you for listening to us and also getting some really cool glasses out of it. Check it out, defozyoptics.com. And now we're here with new friend of the show, Bill Gollier. Welcome to Earth Station One, sir.
2: Thank you.
4: Thank you. Good to yes, be here. Yes, well, absolutely. Welcome to the station.
2: Uh, for those people who may not be familiar with you and your work, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do.
4: Well, um, I am a writer and um, artist for Archie Comics. I've been doing it for, I guess, since uh, 80, 88, 89, so quite a while. But um, I used to work in the Archie office, but now I'm freelance and doing stuff. And so um, anyway, um, do various covers, stories, you know, writing and penciling. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Um,
4: How did you get
2: started with writing? And I mean, had you always, even from like, you know, an early age, wanted
4: to write yeah. and draw? Yeah, I did. And I, I I always, I grew up reading like the Harvey stuff. I mean, started out with like the Harvey stuff and the Archie stuff, like a lot of people, you know, probably do. And um, so when I started drawing, I would draw from the Archie comics to the Harvey comics. So my style kind of went that direction and so um eventually um i wound up um i was going to college and i'm from louisiana originally so i was going to college there and the direction and i was minoring in majoring in journalism minoring in art but the art programs there this was like early 80s so everything was like more abstract and that kind of thing and then we had like a guest uh instructor one semester. He ended up coming doing two semesters. But his name was Marcus Swayze and he did like uh a lot of the Marvel family stuff back in the early 40s after he got out of World War II, which was kind of like I guess a common thing for a lot of those early artists. They did their stint in World War II and then started drawing comic books. But um at that time he was probably in his seventies and he was retired from his uh art director job at a local paper plant there. And so he started teaching this class at the college. And so you Know taking that class, learning kind of the basics of really how comics work and are put together that kind of encouraged me to do the Kubert School thing, so I ended up there. Okay. And because my style lended towards the Archie style, that's kind of the direction I went in. And um, Dan Parent and I were in the same um class, we weren't in the same first year together, but second and third year, and so then third year, Victor Gorelick, who used to be the editor of Archie, who's Passed away since, but he was the editor at that time. He came in to check portfolios or look over portfolios, and um, so that's kind of how I started. I ended up taking a job when I got out of Hubert School in '87, doing Peanuts, Charlie Brown, Snoopy licensing in Kansas City, and doing the doing Archie stuff freelance. Dan went ahead and was working in the office, and I was doing freelance. And then I think '89, I made the move back across the country again and then um started working in the Archie office. Wow. That's so that, uh that's
2: incredible though, right off the bat, like getting you know, yeah, working was, for a major publisher like It was
4: that. a lot of it was a lot of fun. And so I just kind of um you know, like I said, I, I grew up reading them so I was real familiar with the characters and mm-hmm. stuff. And so uh, and my style kinda of lent itself and then, you know, but it's funny because I guess it's this, this way to anybody, but when you look back at that early stuff, you're like, Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> you know, you see, you know, how, how, how you can improve. But, um, I, I guess he, Victor must have saw something in it because he gave me a chance from the start, which I really greatly appreciated. And mm-hmm. I think one of the first stories I wrote, what well, we're going to talk about Sabrina later, but yeah. it was the Sabrina story. So. Oh, was kind of seeing wearing my bewitched shirt. So I was always yeah. into, like, uh, bewitched. And, and then when, um, I'd never read the uh, Sabrina in the comics, but you know how the comic books always have like the previews of what the Saturday morning cartoons were going to be for that year? Like, um, every back in the late 60s, early 70s, they'd always buy out like the centerfold of the comic book and have like the Saturday morning lineup or whatever. So I remember mm-hmm. seeing the, I think it was 1970 or 69, whatever it was that Sabrina show was going to be on. So that's kind of how I was introduced to Sabrina. So then I started reading the Archie comics after that with Sabrina in it.
2: I I have to ask, I mean, like you said, I know we're going to really focus on Sabrina in the next segment, but, um, you know, she was created by George Gladier and and Dan DiCarlo. Did you get a chance to work with either one of those two? I did.
4: Well, uh, George Gladier, he lived, I think he was living in California at that time. And so I, you know, we would get his scripts and I would get his, one of his scripts to draw or whatever. And, um, I, I think I met him one time he came in the office and I did meet him. He was a really nice guy. And Dan DiCarlo though, would come in like every week to drop off his artwork. And, um, so I'd get to, you know, talk to him and he would actually like go over Dan Parent and I, and my stuff. And, and give pointers and and suggestions and even did a few stories where he would do like he was really you know he was always really busy so he would do like the layouts and then you know uh i dan or i would tighten those up and so that was a real learning experience because you kind of see how he lays out a page and all that kind of stuff so and then there was a stint for some reason i remember it was during the gulf war whenever that was but um Archie kind of had expanded out of their one office so they stuck me and Dan Parent and um Dan DiCarlo like in one off op- when Dan Di- because I guess Dan DiCarlo wanted a place to come into to get out of the house for a while because I guess maybe he worked better but he might have regretted it because he wound up in the office with me and Dan <laughs> Parent and we did a lot of talking too but <laughs> 90 sometime around there or something yeah oh that's yeah I've
2: awesome. uh I've uh, I've met Dan as well. I had the pleasure of meeting him and yeah, he's, he's a, he's a great guy, but I can understand. Yeah. He, he's a chatty guy too. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like you guys have a lot of fun uh, while you're I mean, you know, outside of work. So I I, I think that translates to what you guys do inside the books.
4: Yes, that's true. Yep. And then it's always, and lots of times with stories like um, you know, I'll think of something that happened in, actually happened and then make a story out of that which which you know works well sometimes i guess kind of like a a comedian would you know you like take something from real life and then trying to figure a way to make it maybe exaggerate it a bit and then you come up with like a pretty good story
2: the uh the archie style is one that i i don't know that there's a lot of leeway um and maybe you can you know relate to that as well um or share with us that because it seems like I mean they had the template that I think was it uh uh Bob Mant- Montana uh, was first and then Dan DiCarlo kind of went and yeah. reshaped it and I kind of and then all of a sudden like well after Dan and rightly so because Dan was doing amazing work um everything just sort of had to look like
4: Dan's work right yeah, that was kind of the house style at the time. I guess it still is to a certain extent. So, I mean, you'll see different takes on it. And, um, I think maybe now they're more open, you know, um, to different looks. Cause you see like the, um, bite size Archie stuff, which has like more cartoony little version of the characters and, um, just different takes on it. And of course, when yeah. they do the alternate covers, people, you know, other artists do alternate covers kind of with their take. On the Archie characters so i think they're more open to that now but as far as the way i understand it or see it is like the the digests tend to be the ones that are still going to be that the classic style and the classic mm-hmm. pick and all that do you do does that i mean does that do you feel restrained by that at all
2: or i mean it seems like no, i, I it seems don't. like someone I mean, like I, um Dan I Hart, actually, like flourishes but
4: i i i feel it's like comfortable kind of because you know you know it gives you something to shoot for and what you're you're aiming to do so mm-hmm. you know uh, um and, and uh, yeah i, I always like dan de carlo would always do these wild things like uh you know in the little things in the corner of the panel you see like a, a you know like a dog doing some you know silly little dog or something and and, um, you know, I like to do more of that kind of thing. But usually I'm I'm too busy trying to make sure all the characters are there and looking right and don't add those little flourishes. So when I really get into it, then I can do more with that. So I kind of I like when I can get into a zone with the story and just feel like it's really flowing.
2: So many characters in the Archie universe uh, are, more are every there.
4: more every day.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think day. you're right. I think they're actually introducing one this month, uh in for Sabrina, a uh, a rival of hers. Uh
4: there after sixty are. years, she's Archie finally getting a rival. The new Archie Encyclopedia. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow.
3: The who's who and who's
4: what so, are,
2: are there any in particular that you uh, have a fondness for? Or are you have connected? Well, I mean, connection? I like,
4: the, because I grew up with it, I like the classic group, of course. So that's okay. that was always my favorite. And, I mean, I don't mind adding the new people. But it's just the point where I feel like you get a lot of characters in the story. But I mean, you know, but that's part as a writer—you make it work, and you know, so you'll just have a few here, a few there, but you know, getting everybody in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And have you had
2: chances uh, to to go outside
4: of Archie? Um, you know, I I did some stuff with um, Dan did a stint for uh, he worked with Felix Comics back for. That was back in the 90s, I guess, or Mm -hmm. late 90s, early 2000s, doing that on the side. And I did some stuff when he was working with them doing that. And um, I've done like a few and he and I did a couple things together. Like there was. uh, Archie let us do like a a book of the carnies, which is uh, some characters we created circus family characters. And um, then we did our own publication of that, a couple of issues. And then his Die Kitty Die he does with Fernando Ruiz. Yep. did a couple of things in Great that. Great stuff. Great stuff. So yeah, it's it's been fun. But um you know, I I don't know. To me it's just that's that's a lot of hard work. If I just get if I can write <laughs> and draw all the characters I know I'm satisfied, sure, sure, no, absolutely,
2: absolutely, i mean yeah, if you're good at it, right, like just keep... I, I guess,
4: or maybe I'm if it late, ain't broke, yeah, don't, don't fix know.
2: it, right <laughs> yeah i guess, but uh, good stuff, good stuff, well, um, now that we found out what uh you've been uh worked on in the past and what you're working on, um, I guess we'll uh ta- we'll see what uh how how you go in the geek seat, so okay. Mike, I think he's ready for the geek yeah. seat, all right, find out what he's passionate about.
3: Uh Oh, well, you know, Bill's man of many layers, you could tell already. So this should be really interesting (laughs) to see where he fits in and everything with us. All right. So, Bill, you ready for your first Mm -hmm. question in the geek seat? Okay. All right. Your first question in the geek
4: seat is a simple
3: one. What is your favorite
4: geek out moment? My favorite geek out moment? I guess that would have to be... um, my first year at Hubert School, um, one of my first teachers, and see, I, like I said, I mostly read, like, the uh, Archie stuff, Harvey, and then I got into, like, the DC stuff, because I was, I didn't get the Marvel stuff, because you had to, like, buy the next issue, because they all continued, and so I was cheap, so I'd get DC, because they would usually wrap up in one issue, so I was, I did read DC stuff. But, um, and I didn't really like a lot of classic stuff, but one of my first teachers was Al Williamson, who, you know, did a lot of that oh, yeah, classic sure. stuff, Flash Gordon and, yeah. Um, he, he oh yeah, Star Wars, the first Star Wars or the Star Wars strip and, uh, you know, the for several of the Star Wars early issues. But, um, anyway, he was one of my first instructors. And so the class was method and materials where they, you know, he was supposed to teach you how to like use different materials or methods or no narrative art that's what it was but he was going to show us all how to use a brush to ink with and like nobody in that class had used the brush before to try to ink so you know we'd all use markers or whatever and so you know I I had done the assignment and it looked like crap basically but so then he comes around he's like looking at him and I'm saying something about you know how difficult it was well he's like well let me you guys let me show you so he takes the, my brush, the Winsor Newton number two, I think, or three, and he starts, he doesn't have any pencil lines, but he starts like drawing all these characters on a blank piece of Bristol, like Flash Gordon, dinosaurs, and all this stuff. I mean, I have it hanging up. It's just like amazing. But, um, anyway, so I was just like amazed. And then like afterwards, and then the whole class ended up around my desk. Cause he had like, you know, picked me to start showing how to do this. And I think one kid in another class even like offered to buy it from me, like later in the day or something. I was like, no, I'm not selling this. Wow. So that was so, and then, you know, I got to be, um, you know, friends with him and several of the other students friends with him. And so we were like invited to his house and he had like a 16 millimeter projector and like theater seats. So he let us watch, he showed us, uh, like the, the, um, I can't remember what the year was, but whenever the original version of King Kong oh, uh, right. at his house, like on this 16 millimeter projector, it was just really cool. So, and some of that stuff I didn't appreciate till later, you know, cause when you're young and you don't really like, you know, it's just like something to do, but then the the more you learn about the industry and, and the history of it, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool.
3: That's pretty awesome. That is that cool. Is awesome. when you, that, you know, just to see that and have him, Sitting at your desk working on showing you yeah, how to do something. Yeah,
4: and just uh, seeing that towel and just pour out of that that brush, you know. He's and like, see how like, easy no. it is? And you're like, No, it's not. Oh and I did I you know, I have ink stuff with the brush, but now I usually use it do it digitally just because I hate the mess. But um Oh yeah. You know, I remember the I remember, the, wrong, I remember but, the days yeah. of using a rapidograph to ink things in and yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, so I guess well, that'd be my geek out moment.
3: Let's look at the other side of that, though. What was okay. your most disappointing geek
4: out moment? Oh, my most disappointing geek out moment. Let me think. Um, okay, well, I, I did have another teacher who I won't name, but he did his comic strip, and all he would do is just like work on his comic strip in class, and he would give us an assignment and just say, you know, if we had any questions, he'd help us with it. But he really wasn't that you know that was a little disappointing but um you know so and there's probably been other geek, you know moments too but i would say um that was kind of a disappointment because i mean not that it was a comic strip i was that familiar with but it was like you know you always think that's kind of when you're a young cartoonist you think that's the pinnacle of having your own comic strip and mm-hmm. that you'll be helpful to others that are trying to get in the business but it was more like I don't know. I'm just here to pass time. (laughs) Oh, ouch! 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 Ouch!
3: What geeks you out the most?
4: Uh, Geeks me out the most. Um, I would say probably that. um, If I go to a convention like the, if there's celebrities there, like I always feel a little standoffish about like meeting them or saying something to them, and um, so. I don't know just somebody you see on tv just seems a little weird to try to like it shouldn't be but for some reason it is or even like uh you know artists that uh, like when i did the panel at dragon con with michael like um frank cho was on the panel and i mm-hmm. had never met him before and that was really cool that i was sitting like next to him and he's talking about you know his stuff and everything and i had this was like 2019 right before covid i had done like a a comic for India Comic Con and I had no idea, but then like they contacted me like uh a couple of weeks before and said, Can you come to India for this? So, you know, because for the Comic Con, since I did the the Archie story in the book. And so I did, and um there um I was with Bernard Chang and um Chad Harden. So it was cool meeting them and being around them, you know, people in the industry I might not have met otherwise. So that that was really cool.
2: No, that's
3: all um, pretty
4: darn awesome, though. Quick yeah, aside to
2: that. Quick aside to that. I've always been curious if, because I've always heard that a lot. A lot of times, like the comics that, like the the Disney comics, Carl wow. Barks and whatnot, were more popular in Europe than they were in the states. Do you yeah. do you, you find that with Archie as well?
4: Archie is really popular in India and really popular in Canada. And wow. I I don't know if it's. You know, the sales might not be as high as they were in the states, but probably by demographics, like percentage, they probably are higher there than, you know, here. But we might have total sales better here because of, you know, population or whatever. Oh, sure. Sure. That's but, interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was because like, Canada it, doesn't even have that big of a population. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, I, I think I only did one con in Canada. I'm trying to remember if where it was Toronto, I think years ago. But like, you know, Dan Parent does them a lot. You know, he lives up in Pennsylvania and he does those a lot. And um he says they're always like, you know, big shows and do well. So there's a lot of Archie Archie fans up there. And mm-hmm. India, I was, you know, like when I did the India con, there was a lot of kids, you know, that that knew Archie and said kind of what we hear the cons here is like you know, the parents will grow up on Archie and they'll, or the grandparents, they'll introduce it to the kids. It was the same thing in India. Like the parents or kids or grandparents had grown up reading Archie and they introduced the kids to it and they really enjoyed it. Wow. it must be their like window, as part from the movies and stuff, TV, like
2: that's their window into what Americans, right? So.
4: yeah. I mean, and two, the way I always kind of thought of Archie was like when you're a kid, like before you're a teenager, it's like what you think being a teenager is going to be like. <laughs> And then <laughs> after you're a teenager, I think it's like a reminiscence kind of thing. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. No, that totally makes sense, actually. That really does. Yeah. What turns your geek off? Uh,
4: my geek off would be, um, oh, let's see, what turns my geek off? Oh, too much of anything. I don't know, like if something's overkill. Like if somebody's like too excited about something, I don't know, It could... That could damper me. I don't know. I have my limits.
3: Oh yeah, of course. The toy Yeah. yeah. What fictional think,
4: character would you like to meet the most? Fictional character would I like to meet the most? Uh, I think the the sixty six Batman maybe because you wonder like here is this playboy and why is he going to the trouble of crime fighting and everything you know. He's not as crazy as the modern Batman or is dark. So it might be interesting to meet that Batman and just kind of see how he ticks and what's going on. And, um, you know, just get an idea about all that kind of things. No, totally makes sense. And you also want to, I like that that time period. So it's a, you know, cool time period. Oh, sure. Plus he's not going to
2: grab you and be like, you know, I am vengeance.
4: Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, no he, he might ask, actually
3: ask you to do about Tuesday or something like
4: that. that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
3: So, and also, I you know, if you, meet, too, so. if you meet Bruce Wayne, he, you know, a Bruce Wayne who wears an ascot, you know, it's pretty cool.
4: Oh, yeah. Yes,
3: yes. So, can't be too, too bad. No. What fictional character would you
4: not like to meet? You know, I don't care for Deadpool. I don't know why, but. And maybe it's just because I don't, I'm not that big a Ryan Reynolds fan, but I, I don't know. It just, it just seems a little too far out there for me. You yep. run across so many at conventions. Oh God. <laughs> yes. Go to oh, something you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not, I mean, whatever somebody likes is fine, but just for me, you know, and, um mm-hmm. uh, it's just my, my feeling. Nope.
3: Totally makes sense. Actually. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose?
4: You know, I I, I don't know if I have a favorite geek word quote. I I don't. What about you guys? Do you have something that, that maybe it'll trigger if you tell me what yours is?
3: you know a lot of people go live long and prosper or,
4: oh okay that kind you of you know thing.
3: or you know the yeah. hand symbol or the right, super right, the right. superhero landing you know yeah, stuff like yeah, that you know. okay yeah
4: yeah i guess the the live long and prosper has been around a while so but <laughs> yeah and i can't think of i'm sure there's a modern equivalent of that too but i i can't think of it right now but that might yeah, I, I guess any, like you said before, I could maybe just overkill on any phrase, we kind of do it for me.
3: Oh, of course. That yeah. totally makes sense. What
4: is your ideal
3: geek occupation?
4: Um, you know, I think it'd be cool to grade comic books because, you know, just to kind of, you're probably wearing gloves, but just to get your hands on those classic comic books and, and check the condition and all that. I just think that's really cool. And then I had met, um, some people at DragonCon that actually authenticate signatures, which I never thought about that before. But I guess that's a, a gig too, where you're authenticating these artists, um, signatures, you know? So, and, and I'd, I'd see them go to like somebody's table that they were authenticating to make sure, you know, it was their signature. And I thought, that's kind of cool. Wow, that would be that would be interesting because
3: oh wait 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 nope this is a fake this is not the real thing yeah, I know yeah yeah I don't going to cross
4: across some fakes but yeah I guess it could happen
3: exactly that's that's that would be awesome that's pretty fascinating actually
4: yeah I didn't even know that was a thing until I was there and they seem to be being pretty successful with it so I guess a lot of people were interested in getting their uh, signatures you know verified and for I don't know if they have if they're graded or whatever but I thought it was kind of a nice.
2: What's so strange to me about that, too, though, is that, you know, because I've had the privilege and I do think it's a privilege when anybody asks for me to sign one of the, my books. Right. Right. I have I do not try to make them consistent at all. <laughs> like, I, like, so, so I I, you know, if anybody was to look at my signature to see if it was authentic, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would imagine that there's some things they could probably look at. But I'm like, I don't do I don't like try to make it consistent with every time I sign a book.
4: Right, I, I got, I have two L's in my first name and two L's in my last name, so I usually stack my L's. That's I what gives me away. But other
3: than that. <laughs> yeah, so you know, depends depends on how sober you are when you're signing, True. you know, exactly. and everything. It's like, it's like, oh wait, 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 you know. And if these authenticators could look at it and go, oh, he had a little bit of Jack Daniels that Yeah, that's yeah a, that you know, <laughs> exactly.
4: works. <laughs> so
3: that's pretty awesome, man what geek occupation would you not like to do though
4: you know i don't think i would want to be the one to like book people at a convention because i i I just wonder if you call like these big names and say you know could you come to our you know are they going to ask like certain demands or something i don't know it just seems like that would be a little uh, not that that fun to have to you know if somebody was like a prima donna or something i don't know i've heard about some of these writers i I thought i'd heard about some too So yeah. I was gonna say, Bill, you make it difficult for them? <laughs> no, no, I, mean, um, <laughs> I but this I, this is the first time I got on a Dragon Con I mean I went like twenty years ago, but it was nothing like it was this year. And I just got a kick out of like just you know, watching everything, all the costumes and like the hotels, you know, the craziness. It was just like a blast just like watching it. I love it. Yeah.
3: No, I totally understand that. And it's funny too, because it's like, you know, for me and Mike, it basically is all they have to do is ask, you know, it's not, we're not <laughs> that
4: difficult, you know, writers. Yeah, me too. <laughs> exactly. so, but so yeah, I mean, imagine, like you said, there are, there are some, you know, prima donnas out there. And if you had a job, you know, I, I would be kind of like, you know, do you want to come to the show or not? I don't know. No, exactly. <laughs> so,
3: you know, I've heard people. You know, oh, we need to have this. You know, this ready for them. They have to, you know, fly them in. They have to have this waiting for them in the hotel room. And this, Certain this, M and M's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. I've heard, I've that's heard about the green M and M thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a wise tale. Yeah, that's that's you know, Bendis, right? That's exactly.
1: Bendous, right? Course, it has to be Bendis. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right, Bill. You ready for your final question, geeks? I am this is for everything
1: yeah.
2: okay. right. i didn't even have to hesitate i am <laughs> i am give it to me boy yeah
4: what is your ultimate geek fantasy ultimate geek fantasy um oh okay yeah i thought about this one um before uh you know it from childhood it was always like finding that cop which you know it gets more impossible and more impossible every year of course but finding that copy of action number 1 at like some estate sale or something you know i just always thought that would be really cool you know cuz when you're when i was a kid and it was like 10,000 dollars for action 1 i was already thinking like oh how cool it would be to find this you know but um i guess that would be my ultimate geek fantasy now i did have a friend that found like uh showcase i don't know if it's showcase number one the first appearance of the flash like That's at nice. a antique shop and the woman didn't know what it was worth and she was kind of like you know kind of giving him a hard time because you know he was uh, he felt she's kind of like looking down because he's buying a comic book but then he ended up i think he paid like 10 bucks but then he put it on ebay and sold it for you know a couple of grand so <laughs> he got the last laugh i I don't know if he ended up doing it or not, but I suggested he should like print out the like auction completed page and send it in a <laughs> card to the woman at the, uh you know, at the Ouch. shop, just kind of say, you know, thanks. <laughs>
3: yeah. Here's wow. a $50 Starbucks gift card for you or yeah, something like that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, thanks man. It
4: definitely seemed like he was, she was kind of giving him the thing like, why are you buying comic book, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. All right oh god you know when i used to have my comic book store when we used to buy
4: collections at yard
3: sales and stuff we were always looking for that diamond in the rough and everything
4: yeah yeah i guess that's that is the ultimate geek dream or one of them yep exactly
3: well bill i've got some great news for you my friend you've made it through the geek seat
2: congratulations (laughs) mr mike gordon tell the young man what he's won you have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO network, a value easily worth fifty six dollars and one cent.
4: Wow! Okay, well that's fifty six dollars and one cents of value I didn't have before. Yeah,
2: well, it, well it's you in know, station know, it's, it's, money it's, though. It's, it's not station currency. Thing. It just it drops dramatically as you know the closer you get that's to right. Earth. So so, so,
4: does, so does Bitcoin these days. <laughs> you know, so, so
2: it's still worth more than Bitcoin. Bill,
3: you're going to get one of these great geek seat magnets because of it all so right
4: thank you. that i can use
2: <laughs> all right well very awesome well we know you're uh sticking around for the next feature when we're talking about uh sabrina and her 60 years with us so yeah uh, i guess mike we'll take a break
3: that's great let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment
5: Ashley Pauls with this week's box office buzz. If my voice sounds a little bit different this week, it's because not only is it fall winter movie season, it is also fall winter cold season. So I am battling a cold right now, which is not a lot of fun, but you know what is fun is all the great content coming out on streaming right now and hopefully some good stuff in theaters as well. Of course, the big movie coming out this weekend is the DC Cinematic Universe's Black Adam. I really want this film to do well. I know that uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is super passionate about this role. He's really excited about this movie. And I hope that the movie is as good as the hype he feels for it. And I'm one of those fans that roots for both DC and Marvel. I think they're trying to do different things. And I want to see both succeed. And especially with some negative press surrounding the DC Cinematic Universe recently... They really need a hit with Black Adam, and it's been a while since I've been to the theater. I actually have gotten a chance to go, so I'm looking forward to going back and seeing that exciting movie, hopefully. Also, if you heard that meow in the background, that was my cat Daisy, who decided she wanted to contribute to the conversation. Speaking of streaming, it's hard to keep up with everything going on right now. She Hulk recently wrapped up its first season, as did Amazon Rings of Power. I'm embarrassed to admit that I'm not quite caught up on those shows. Had some life stuff interfering that makes it hard to keep up with all the wonderful geeky stuff, but I'm super excited about House of the Dragon. Wrapping up this week, I think it's my favorite fall TV show so far. It's just such good storytelling with great acting, epic characters, and setting the stage for even more big set pieces to come. Andor, I feel like it's taken me a little bit to settle in, kind of figure out what type of story it's telling. Um, I'm definitely intrigued. I don't feel as attached to it immediately as where I latched onto the characters in the story of House of the Dragon, but I still think that Andor is leading somewhere interesting. So yeah, we definitely live in a time of an embarrassment of riches, lots of great geek stuff. And just as a reminder, I feel like online, a lot of the conversation tends toward extremes like this is either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever so just kind of keep that in mind as you're critiquing stuff don't be afraid to offer what you think could be better but also just keep in mind that maybe what show is a disappointment for you may a win for somebody else so just be nice to other people as you're discussing stuff online simple right If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO Podcast website. Hoping to write this week about the MCU special Werewolf by Night. Comic-Cons are back and fans are ready. Hear all about
6: it on the Con Guy Show, where we keep you up to date on all the events, the movies, the people, and the
2: conventions that drive your passions and feed your fandom. Straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California, we are proud members of the ESO Network, your station for all things E.
3: Back to Earth Station One. Now we are here to talk all about Sabrina, the teenage witch. And it's going to be interesting for a teenager. She doesn't even look 60. That's pretty amazing.
2: I know. She's 60 years old and she's still oh. in her teens. uh It's amazing. uh She was created um or she made her debut in Archie's Madhouse number 22, uh, cover dated October 1962. And she's had quite the history and been quite the success. And in various decades over the years, including recently. So uh, it's really fun to talk about it. Of course, we've got uh, Bill Gaw. You're still here with us, Bill. Thank you. And uh, Mark McRae has joined us because we can't talk about Sabrina without talking about the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> or the number of cartoons because right. there's been a couple. So, yeah, I was going to say least, there's quite a least. few. There's been a bunch. <laughs> so uh, so, um, so let's get started. First, before we, we start with the, anything else, I want to know – what your introduction to Sabrina was, uh, whether it was the comics, whether it was the cartoon, you know, or even uh, other, something else. Uh, Mark, what was, what, what what was your introduction to Sabrina?
6: Um, It was definitely the, the cartoon. And the thing is, you know, we had a black and white set when I was little, just one TV in the house and the promotion I saw, I was a little confused. I had no idea who Sabrina was. I actually thought that Sabrina was was the Betty character with a new hairstyle right? because <laughs> CBS would air these promos and sometimes they would actually point to who Sabrina was. And sometimes they didn't, it was just like new shows are coming and it would, it would be like a clips of Sabrina and the Archies and other new shows that were coming, but they didn't necessarily point out Sabrina in some of those promos. So for a while I was confused as to who Sabrina was, but it was, it was definitely through, that first series.
1: Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. Uh, Bill? Um, well, I would say with me, it was the cartoon also. But before the cartoon, I was reading. Um, I didn't read the Sabrina book, but I was reading other Archie comics or, you know, whatever kind of gold key, whatever it was. But they, uh, as I was telling them earlier, Mark, you know how they'd always have they'd have like a a center spread before the new cartoon season started and it would have all the new shows and i remember the panel across the top had like the archie characters in Pops, and then sabrina's there with salem and you know it's meet our new friend sabrina or something like that so i thought oh that's gonna be cool so um i was actually introduced in the comic book through an ad with me and then yeah. i watched the cartoon on tv gotcha
6: gotcha
2: mike that's how are pretty you?
4: cool I know that ad. Oh yeah.
6: yeah. <laughs> I think I remember that one also.
3: It it's interesting too because I was trying to, you know, rack my brain over it, trying to think. Part of me thinks it was little Archie's actually. Cause they had, you know, a second story. She didn't really, you know, get involved with the little Archies, but they had a a little a little yeah. Sabrina.
4: Yeah, they did a little Sabrina as like a yeah backup.
3: Yeah, I think because uh, my parents, you know, used to get me the little Archie Digests and stuff. Right. And right. the books and when I was younger. and But I think probably the cartoon. It had to be the cartoon for me. Um, watching it, you know, on Saturdays. And, mm-hmm. you know, growing up with that in the early 70s and then liking the characters and you know the the two aunts and the cat and then harvey the boyfriend and everything and it was a neat thing and i always wondered why didn't the archies get more involved with that and everything but they kept them separate and it was pretty interesting yeah.
4: and yeah, so they didn't
2: even live in the same town nope but
4: well yeah i mean later they they made it a uh, Greendale where Sabrina lived, but yeah, it seemed originally that they never said it, but it seemed like it might've been Riverdale.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. And everything. So yeah, it was always interesting to do. And, you know, the ants, you know, wearing basically your basic witch
6: outfits, you know, wouldn't it be <laughs> a little obvious to other people? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because in some of the books and some of those books from the seventies, the aunts sometimes were mistaken for hippies yep you know because oh, of how really? they were dressed that's that's how some of the writers right would, do, um, would yeah. play it off and everything
1: mm-hmm.
3: so, and that totally yeah. makes sense with the era and everything mm-hmm. uh they must live in a commune those hippies get out of here you know that <laughs> type of thing
2: i uh well like you guys i i believe uh the cartoon uh, uh in the early 70s because i i don't think i was reading yeah, I mean maybe an Archie comic might have hit my uh got my attention before that and maybe it's possible but nothing that I remember. Um but the cartoon I definitely uh remember uh not specific uh episodes or anything like that but I just remember her as a character and even though I I like the Archie group as a whole Um, Sabrina, I really liked. Um, I think it's because I was already interested in the sort of like magical, uh, like spooky things. Um, so, uh, I enjoyed watching, you know, reruns of, uh, Bewitched and I Dream a Genie, which obviously I think have some sort of influence, uh, if not directly, uh, indirectly on Sabrina. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I, and so, Doing the research for this, I've really tried to uh, go with the all, like look into all the eras and they've got a nice little um, Archie Publications put out a nice um, uh, collection of Sabrina books right from the be- uh, strips right from the beginning through the early 70s. And so I was reading those. And of course, the first strip and the early strips by Dan DiCarlo and George Gladier, who who. They're the creators. They're listed as the creators yeah. of Sabrina. Um, I mean, Dan's work is, and this these are black. These are printed in black and white. They're like essentials or showcase editions for DC and Marvel. Um, it's just so clean, so good. Uh, the artwork is outstanding on it, and yeah, it is. It is interesting how the character and all the characters around her have evolved over the years, but right from the very beginning, uh, she's there uh, with Salem. Uh, I think those are the. That's the two constants that are there throughout most of most of any iteration of Sabrina.
4: Now Salem did turn orange. For the cartoon, and then, yeah. <laughs> then turned back to black and white for the new show. So, well, I yeah. say new show, but you know the uh, Sabrina live action show, the new old Actually, show, now, and now he stayed black and white.
2: I I so, did yeah. find I did find five or six issues that I had in um, my back my back issue bin that I had as a kid, um, mm. and uh, you know depending on the coloring of those of those issues, like Salem does look, uh, but I think. I think that's what happened like in this, when she didn't get her own title until the cartoon was a hit. Right. And, and so I think then from that point on the, the, the comic book sort of took in what the cartoon was doing.
4: Right. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that's my Mark can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking even that's where like cousin Ambrose came from was from the cartoon. Right. And um, you know, like I used him, even though he was never on the, Melissa Joan Hart show, I used him in when I was writing that series just because he was a fun character and I enjoyed like the, you know, the bewitched, wacky relatives kind of thing. So it was always fun to do that with Sabrina too. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was
2: they always they were always having like a like an uncle or an aunt or a cousin visiting that always had yeah. like weird yeah. superpowers like <laughs> or weird witchy powers. There was one that was a hippie. There was one that was like from the um, like eighteenth century or whatever. And then it's right. like they 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 had a lot of fun with that. Um, and uh, the one thing I will say about the the comic that I really appreciated too is i mean archie comics aren't known to have an edge right but but sabrina you could kind of get away with it a little bit because she is a witch and and her aunt uh particular hilda is horrible like she just i mean the whole premise is they want sabrina to do bad things with her
4: yeah right Mm
2: -hmm. and she doesn't want to Um that is i think reversed later on um, yeah. with the Melissa Joan Hart era, which we'll get into, but but at least with her early days, like, and I don't know if this is true, like in the cartoon so much, but yeah, they want her to do like really bad things.
4: Yeah, well, and then they had, was it? I get my my head witches mixed up. Adela, I think, was the one from the seventies, and um, you know, that was in the comic book. She wasn't on the cartoon, but she was in the comic book. And Carlo made a really sexy, like outfit for her yeah, and stuff. The high boots. And, uh, yeah. And so, um, I, we came up with another one, uh, you know, I think from the Melissa Joan Hart show that wasn't, you know, quite as sexy, but Della, I remember like there was this one cover. Sabrina is like waking up, you know, and Della always wanted to do bad stuff too. Like cause she was always like the good witch and she always wanted her to be bad. Like her aunts wanted her to be bad. And, um, and I still picture this in my mind, but it was a Dan Carlo cover. And uh, Sabrina's, like, waking up in the bed, and she's got, like, her arms up in the air, and she's, like, in her negligee. And then in the full-length mirror, there's Della in her, like, uh, sexy, like, witchy bathing suit, you know, telling her she needs to get up and, and do some evil acts or something that day. So, <laughs> it was, like, definitely, like I said, it was kind of, like, edgy for, you know. The kid's an Yeah. Especially, yeah. That was probably, like... I remember seeing that, getting that one, like at a garage sale, like our school, a uh, flea market or something. And even as a kid thinking like, this seems a little racy. <laughs>
2: I'm surprised. And Mark, you can speak to this, especially for the animation. Maybe, uh, you, you know, I'm surprised that they didn't like that. I guess maybe because of success, like Bewitched and I I Dream of Genie before it, that laid the groundwork. But Sabrina, there was no heat. Like, there was no, like, parents being upset that, you know, this demonic, like, being was being introduced to their kids at an early age.
6: Right. I I think that the reason why Sabrina the Teenage Witch, at least that cartoon, was really successful because it was sort of like wish fulfillment. You know, you had Bewitched and you had I Dream of on the air, which were very popular with kids. And now you have an actual cartoon character that is doing everything that these live action shows are doing. And, and I think because of that, you know, they weren't exactly being upset over Bewitched either audiences or parents. And so Sabrina sort of slipped through the cracks a little bit because I think of the popularity of Bewitched and maybe I Dream of Magini. Also, uh, Sabrina, the teenage witch, you know, like we rewatching it now, there are some subversive moments in that cartoon, um, that you know, the writers purposely uh, slipped in because they were trying to get around these parents groups like Action for Children's Television. You know, it's almost like a sort of middle finger to those groups, like, yeah, well, you know, we're sneaking in things in the writing that you folks are not even going to be totally aware of. And one of the episodes I remember, um Sabrina and one of her cousins from, you know, Horrible Hall, Frankie, it's called, I think the episode is called The Golf Open. And Sabrina kind of has like this mocks, um, well, she's kind of mocking the Archies a little bit, you know, saying, yes, it would be kind of unfortunate if the Archie characters ran into her cousins, the Groovy Ghoulies. And and she says, yeah, that would be kind of tragic. And she kind of laughs about it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So basically she's like, yeah, you know, I'm a teenage witch, but There are some things that are just out of my control, (laughs) you know? So it was like little subtle things like that. And one of the episodes that actually scared me as a kid, there's one where Della shows up. Uh, Sabrina doesn't want to study um, and feels like she's being punished unfairly. And Della shows up and it's decided that Sabrina should be taken out of the home because aunt, zelda who's the shorter mika one right yeah. um in the series is too as della puts it too human and so they essentially pull her out of the home it's like Defax shows up and and <laughs> takes her out and as a kid i was like wait a minute yeah. someone can just show up and just remove you from the home i was just i was it just It just kind of disturbed me a little bit. And then when Sabrina says, no, don't remove me. I love my aunties. And they conjure up this witch that's supposed to take charge of Sabrina. And the the witch says, love. Oh, she's like, I got my work cut out for me, you know. And so there's like little things like that that kind of let you as a viewer know that. You know, Sabrina's not necessarily good or not necessarily bad, but they, the writers, I think, did a good job, you know, of playing a fine line, you know, between things, um, mm-hmm. whether she's good or bad, you know. I think they did a good job with that, but but kind of scary and sub, subversive uh, moments in that series, definitely.
2: I, uh, it wasn't until I rewatched a couple of episodes of uh, in research for this because I hadn't seen any Sabrina's episodes, of cartoons in a long time. I don't know if they're, I don't know if Archie is streaming anywhere. I mean, I had to sort of like, you know, hunt down and find someone who posted it on YouTube or whatever. And who knows how long that's going to last. But, um, you know, it certainly wasn't authorized. Uh, but in any case, <laughs> I was watching these things and I was like, I'd forgotten a lot of things, I'd forgotten the theme song. And, uh, and I forgot, like, I just forgot so much. And, but the one thing I was like, oh yeah, Sabrina had a emotion, Like she doesn't, they don't do it in the comics, obviously, but in the, in the series, and I guess it's because Jeannie had a, had her, you know, blink or whatever. And then, right. you know, uh, uh, Samantha had the, the, the nose wiggle. Right. Right. But, yeah. but, but, the, the uh, Sabrina pulls her, pulls her, her ear, right. She pulls her ear oh, whenever she wants right. to do a, a spell. I don't think that's translated to any of the other uh, formats, of live action or I don't remember like no. Melissa Joan Hart or anybody else doing that. So, so I thought that was really interesting.
4: And I don't even think it was in the comics unless they used it, you know, for a while there. I don't know, but you know, usually we just have her finger pointing and a zap, or something, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was definitely. I think that was a filmation
6: studios writers thing that they made up because if even if you look at her prior like her, her appearance in madhouse comics prior to the tv show i don't ever remember her tugging on her ear at all yeah. i, mean, I don't think i
3: projects. don't think so i don't remember that at
2: all mm-hmm. yeah she's right there from the first uh the the debut cartoon she's pulling on her ear and yeah, uh she does that and a few others so um but yeah and it's hard to i mean i think that's because they that's why they i mean they it was they needed to visualize it somehow um and I, that's the way they chose um you mentioned the aunts and um we get hilda and zelda hilda was introduced first in the comics and she's the one that primary aunt to uh, Sabrina that we see most of the time zelda's there every once in a while um they get switched around in 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 incarnate various incarnations of Sabrina. Oh yeah. Um yes. like which yes. one is which? It's kind of like confusing. I don't know why they do that. I don't know if the people just it's a mistake or what, but um but I find that's interesting. Um and Hilda the one, of course, that look they're as Mike said, they're dressed like, you know, wh- like you would expect a traditional witch to look like in the long black right. outfit and the hat and everything.
4: Right. Um so, whatever. Mm-hmm.
2: And you have uh, Ambrose, uh, who's there in the beginning in the in the cartoon. Um, this sort of like uh, asexual male that's living with them or something <laughs> like you know, like I don't know, he's a bachelor. He's a bachelor, you know, like. Uh, well,
6: I think Ambrose was like supposed to be a combination of Uncle Arthur from Bewitched and Doctor Bombay mm-hmm. because he would he was kind of flamboyant like Uncle Arthur, but he would help Sabrina figure out things, you know, using spells and stuff. But in the comic though, like especially in the 70s, they really played him as straight in the comics. Like they didn't make him flamboyant. Mm-hmm. But um in the <laughs> In the cartoon, oh my gosh! I mean, uh, like there's one episode where he dresses up as a cheerleader, and he still has his mustache. And I mean, it was just like I said, the writers
4: just seem to be having a really good time with some of these characters. Too good I, I of a time. <laughs> I didn't remember that about Ambrose from the cartoon until I was reading the you know the some of the notes, and then I you know I mentioned that that he was you know, a little flamboyant. And I I, I don't know. I, I guess I just never realized it, but I was thinking more of the Ambrose from the comic book, which, you know, like, like especially when I was writing it, try to make him more of like a, a Playboy type or something. And yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah a- I, I, it's gonna be interesting now. I'm gonna go back and watch some of those the um you know, the original animated series and see some of those. So mm-hmm. it's
2: and of course, the other primary characters that are introduced, i think uh at one point in the cartoon, Sabrina and the family move from uh wherever they're in Greendale Riverdale whatever it is at that point uh but they move to like a, a community with just monsters right
4: you mean the Groovy googlies or what Yeah, well that's oh, where oh, that's oh, greendale that's where, that's
2: where, yeah. that's where <laughs> they meet that's where they meet she meets the uh the goolies that's where they come in, yeah
4: and yeah, the, uh, the- was that like the second season, Mark? Is that when they did that? Yeah.
6: So um uh, Gravestone Heights have,
4: That's it. Oh, Gravestone, Gravestone Heights. Heights. Oh, that's yeah. later.
7: That's much yeah, later. That was that's, in, yeah. the, comic. That was in yeah. the comic
6: book, right. Yeah. Gotcha. River um the Groovy Ghoulies, they were she was still in Riverdale and the Groovy Doo lived in Horrible Hall, which was sort of on the outskirts of Riverdale. They never exactly said it was in Riverdale proper, you know. Uh-huh. But uh um but the one that you just mentioned um um about grave what is it
4: called grave stone heights yeah yeah yeah. that yeah, was then, a And parent came up with that because uh-huh. was we were gonna and that was like the 90s and we had archie and friends and we need they wanted to do sabrina as a backup at which she was always a backup in archie and friends but they want to do something different with her so we came up with the idea of Moving into this town, Gravestone Heights, where it's all like monsters and, and witches and that kind of thing. So that's, that's where that came from. But we had that, we came up with this one character called Ida that was just like a big eye and, it, <laughs> and she had a pony, she had a ponytail though, like that like, of course she did. Of but course. She, she would talk, but I'm not sure where her mouth was, but you know, we didn't have that like, word balloons. But then I was reading, when I was reading Wikipedia, you know, just to brush up on my Sabrina information, whoever wrote this tied it in with some character from um from uh, what was the original appearance of Sabrina was in um in Mad- Archie's Madhouse? Madhouse I guess there was a character in Madhouse that looked like that but we never realized it. Oh, how funny. But, but she was more involved with like a a funny thing with some of the Archie characters but they were like making the connection between that and that gravestone heights character which we never realized was kind of funny that there was a character like that in the old in madhouse and we never realized it wow wow that's funny
6: (laughs) it must have been in the universe
2: (laughs) so the original run of uh sabrina when she gets her own book like that's in 1971 she finally gets her own book and then that goes for like a hundred and some issues and uh ends um in i think 83 right and so from 83 she doesn't get a series again till 97 uh when the when the uh, Melissa Joan Hart movie comes out right. um so um movie but
4: yeah in the meantime she yeah, was back in
3: that's right
4: yeah, I was gonna say she wasn't gone completely. Oh, right? She might have been in Laugh comics too. We had a lot of titles back then, so <laughs> you know, there was Laugh, there was um I think Pep by that time was just an occasional one. But um but yeah, Laugh and Arching Friends, she was probably appeared in those two. So uh so I was
2: watching um about the history of of some you know, obviously doing the research and the uh the Sabrina Teenage Witch television show started off as a movie that was on Showtime uh, that starred Melissa Joan Hart and it was produced by her mother. Uh, I can't remember her name. It's uh, it's going to bug me. But um, anyway, uh, apparently after the success of uh, Clarissa Knows All, that was the big show that Melissa Joan Hart had just done for Nickelodeon, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they were looking for another project for her. That show ran out and so they were looking for another project. Someone handed her this is uh, Melissa's mom now, handed her a uh, Serena comic, and she looked through it, and she was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. So she made an appointment with the fellows fellows at Archie, and um, they agreed right away to uh, to have her, you know, to have license the character to her. And they uh, did I so them,
4: for a dollar. I remember them coming in, the office. Oh, do yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Because I was wow. in the office back then, so... So I remember, you know, we had to be on our supposed to be on our best behavior. <laughs> guest visiting, so so they they licensed
2: the character to the Hearts for a dollar.
4: Oh now, wow! That now
2: I was going to say, like, so now I would have to imagine that they're going to get something off the back end, right? They had to have to have, you know, something have to because <laughs> I was like, okay, so Sabrina doesn't have her own title at this point. We're talking about like the '90s now, Sabrina, and Archie Comics is still there. But I didn't know if if and you can speak to this maybe Bill was Archie in a position where they were just kind of like grasping like if anybody came by to pick up something they would be like sure well
4: well, we were I mean (laughs) they were always looking for like a a new TV series kind of thing because you know they had had all the success with Archie and Josie and the Pussycats back and Sabrina back in the day so they were always looking you know there had been like what was it um you know Riverdale and back and um you know a couple of things oh right yeah but they were looking for like you know that 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 niche that show and so for a while there that's what when we were doing all these books like dilton's strange adventures or uh or whatever it was built strange science rc racers uh jughead's diner those were all like we were you know they were hoping to get some kind of TV gig with those, gotcha. which never came to fruition. A oh, Jughead's Time Police was another one. Oh, right. I remember there was like, you know, a lot of them we were doing. And, um, you know, Sabrina had still been there, but you know, like I said, she was kind of a backup story in the books. And so you know, I think they saw that as, you know, like, wow, here's our chance to, you know, make this, you know, we, if the ABC, if ABC is interested, you know, this might break big. So. I think they were just looking for that opportunity
2: well originally they were planning to do it as a series of movies uh three movies for showtime the first one what i understand it was a big success uh uh-huh. i watched it it stars a very young uh ryan reynolds as well um uh and uh so so bill you'll hate it because it's got that <laughs> dead, it's got that dead, it's that. got that deadpool I mean, thing no just kidding yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um it's. I watched it. It's okay. I'd never seen it before. Um, for those people who are only familiar with the sitcom, it's it's there, but it's really like early. It's not as funny. It's not as sharp um, to my mind. Um, there's a whole bunch of other characters. Uh, well, the aunts are played by completely different people. Her best friend is still uh, the same actress, but I think she goes by a different name in the sitcom. I don't know. It's all. Harvey's there uh, as a love interest. Um, so that's uh, that's still there. Um, but it didn't really, I don't know. It, Salem was played by a real cat uh, in the movie, um, an okay. actual cat, um, which they had to animate the mouth whenever they wanted to talk. And they were going to do that same thing for the sitcom. But then ABC told them, um, well, it, it's pretty expensive. So Salem can only have three lines in an episode. That's it. That's all we can afford. And they were like, well, that's not going to do. So then they they got an animatronic puppet, yeah, for, for yeah. Salem. Um, but yeah, after the success of uh, show, the Showtime movie, then uh, they went to, I guess, ABC was interested. Everybody was interested. So then they finally decided to make it a sitcom on ABC as part of their TGIF Friday like lineup. And it was a huge success. It lasted, I don't know, how many seasons? was it?
6: six I something like that been a long yeah. time I can't remember exactly yeah
2: it had uh, I think two or uh, two, movies? Uh, two or three movies two or three movies yeah. sequels yeah
4: yeah. there was like a Paris was it Paris and then Australia one and yeah, yes. there were a few, few different movies uh,
2: yeah actually it uh, went from 96 to 2000 and then uh, that was on ABC it switched to the WB on uh, 2000 to 2003 so okay. it did, it did switch around. So, um, and so Sabrina, this show adds a bunch of new elements, I think, to the, to the franchise. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I, I didn't see this in any of the comics prior to this, but yeah. it's introduced that Sabrina is half human, half witch in the series. Yeah. Was that, right. was that something that was in the comics before this?
4: I don't think they, they, I mean, when I started writing the Sabrina that was like, loosely based on that show i kind of explored that but before i don't think that was ever mentioned or anything they just you know i don't think it was ever mentioned why she wind wound up living with her aunts or anything Mm. yeah it's it's never mentioned um that
6: you know it's it's kind of like uh the sabrina family unit was really put together by that by that first cartoon, the Filmation cartoon. I mean, Aunt Hilda, like you guys mentioned, you know, she was in the Madhouse book, but it wasn't until like the latest series, the latest stories where they paired Aunt Hilda and Sabrina together in the same household. And then later, um, for the cartoon, they added Zelda and Ambrose. Mm -hmm. And uh, Harvey was actually a different character in the comic book, but I can't remember his name. But they never came up like, like with an origin story. And the Melissa Joan Hart show I thought was really great because not only did they give her a decent, they gave her a, a good origin story. They gave her a last name. She never had a last yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> she was just, you know. she was
3: just Sabrina. Yeah.
6: Right. Exactly. Uh, so, um, and you know, Salem became black again in that series mm-hmm. and from orange to black, really. That, they were know. the ones that did that.
4: Right. You mm-hmm. know,
6: like returning the character to, so sale him to his roots, actually. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: so Bill, was that like a, a thing that was you were conscious of at the time, like working on the books that suddenly you had to change certain things or add certain things to her?
4: Yeah. I mean, so I character? would I would you know, would watch the show and, and kind of, you know, base it on the you know, what was going on in the show as far as like the character relations and all that. And but then, you know, we would add like you know, crotchety next door neighbor that wasn't in the show. And then like maybe the, the best friends would be different names in the book than they were on the show. But I mean, we, of course we still had Harvey. Like I said, we had Ambrose in the book who wasn't in the Melissa Joan Hart show. So, you know, brought Ambrose back for that. And, um, and, you know, of course Hilda and Zelda were in that and, and they took the new look from the, um, Sabrina live action show instead of wearing the, you know, the, the, <laughs> right. the, the, <laughs> the hat and everything, right? Yeah. And then we, but we kept the hair green and orange though. You know, we didn't give them the, the other hair colors, just oh. gave them a little more modern dues. And they weren't, yeah, their looks were like Zelda still wore glasses and was a little heavier than Hilda, but you know, they had like, uh, Hilda's nose wasn't like a Jughead nose anymore. And, you know, so it, it had a different look. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> because of the that success. Was all, that was all de Carlo. You know, he, he just kind of reimagined them to oh, wow. you know, the new look.
2: Okay. So he was place. still actively working with Sabrina on that at that point.
4: Oh, yeah. He he would. He penciled the Sabrina book. Yeah.
2: Can I can I ask if he was because uh, I'd I'd heard that certain in the later years Dan was kind of a little disgruntled about not getting certain credits or whatever and there's no yeah. mention of course in him as 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 far as a creator uh, in in the cartoon or in the in the movie or in the sitcom or anything like that I I would assume would that did he was was he kind of not okay with that
4: <laughs> Well you know I don't know if if Deals were made or whatever, but I mean, he was—he seemed fine with Sabrina, and Mm -hmm. then I think it was maybe, maybe it was when Josie and the Pussycats, you know, movie came out. That might have been. Well, no, it wouldn't. Yeah, maybe it's before that. Yeah, at one point, you know, he was, uh, you know, having some issues, you know, with the company. But um, I do
2: know Josie was a, a lot more, meant a lot more to him as a character than any of the other characters
4: yeah so maybe it was when they were going to do that as the movie i don't know i'm trying to think when that was i think i'd already i was out of the office before the movie came out maybe it was when they were starting to talk about it or you know working on it or whatever but um yeah but but the, the sabrina stuff yeah he would he you know penciled the book and um i would my job because i wanted to tie in the book's with the tv show you know like as far as like when somebody sees the cover on the stands to like you know say oh that's you know melissa joan hart oh yeah so she we, was on
2: all the covers at that time right Yeah, we, oh, yeah. But
4: we got promotional slides from abc i guess they do it with all their we do all their shows back then they have promotional you know shots and so i would have to, you know and it was like i think it mentioned this one on the panel but it was I don't remember how many slides we had. It wasn't like a great number, like 20 or 30. But I would have to like, each season they do some more, which was nice. But um I'd have to come up with a cover using that pose, a certain pose of Melissa Joan Hart and work the gag around it, you know, with the other characters in the background, you know, reacting to her or she's holding something, you know, if she's got her hand out; she's holding something in her hand. So because they, you know, wanted to have her own all the covers. So, I mean, it was interesting to do, but it, sometimes it was a little like, okay, how are we going to work her into the cover this time, you know? <laughs> yeah, I had some of those comic books, you know, with because uh, I started buying Sabrina
6: again when the Melissa Joan Hart version came out. And in fact, um, I was friends with this guy that ran, he ran an Archie fanzine a uh-huh. book called Riverdale Ramblings. Okay. And I was doing my newsletter at the time and he goes, well, do you have time to do like Sabrina reviews? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you're honest
3: about it, dude.
6: <laughs> <laughs> but somehow he talked me into doing a few of them and uh-huh. uh, um, I ended up talking to Melissa Joan Hart's, um It wasn't her personal publicist but it was um, her, it was the publicist for the network, for the show. Right. And the, the it was like a really funny story. They said that Melissa Joan Hart had to get her own publicist when Sabrina the Teenage Witch came out because she, in you know, not trying to sound negative, but she gave an interview, I think the TV Guide, where she compared the budgets of, Sabrina the Teenage Witch versus the Nickelodeon budget for... Uh, Clarissa. Clarissa. Right. And, you know, I guess the ABC budget was much more. Oh, Um, (laughs) yeah. And so she said some things that kind of, you know, made the Nickelodeon show seem cheap. Mm. And the ABC publicist was telling me, well, you know, she has her own publicist now because... We just need to, you know, make sure that she's not saying anything that might be, you know, <laughs> um, she did that uh, taken the wrong way. I mean, like when when I was at Adult Swim, I did a few interviews, and I remember the PR people just saying, "We need to look everything over to make sure you don't put your foot in your mouth." You yeah. know, so that's their job. But I guess there may have been one or two interviews that kind of. You know, slip through the cracks. You know. Well,
2: she did that. She did that photo shoot for Maxim, which ABC went bonkers over. They
6: were just like because
2: oh, they yeah, were.
4: They, I remember that because yeah. because
2: Ma- they said that you know she did it thinking that they wouldn't under the, with the understanding that they weren't going to mention Sabrina at all, just her. And on the cover of Maxim, it says Sabrina Bears All or whatever, and it was like, <laughs> and so like you know, so they were uh, they were. <laughs> They were not happy. Uh, but, um, yeah. So there was a little bit of friction there and the growing pains. I mean, she's a teenager, right? She's right, right. She's, she's going to go through this, uh, on the show for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. I found it interesting. So they get the license of Sabrina, but obviously that doesn't come with all the other Archie characters. So in the series, there's no other Archie characters that appear. Um, Bill in the comics, were you like not able to do crossovers either or?
4: You know, they, they like to keep her separate for some reason. I don't know why that was, if it was because of the show, but we usually kept her separate. Now they mix her in a lot more. And then mm-hmm. and two, you know, it was like one of those unwritten rules was like nobody was supposed to know she was a witch, you know, in right. the old days. And then now it seems like it's a little more there's I think technically they're still not supposed to know she's a witch, but there's more um how could they not know now i don't know but <laughs> right. yeah there's a lot more. it's it's it also seems to depend on which archie book or
6: universe you're reading too right yes. it seems like in some of them like they're fully aware that she's a witch and then in some of them other books depending on you know which book it is they yeah. don't
4: seem to be aware yeah i guess yeah the, i can thinking more of the traditional stuff but even mm-hmm. yeah you know, with that it seems like they kind of you know the, they they're not supposed to know but there's you know it seems like they would like put two and two together at some point
3: i remember something i was reading once that she told jughead that she was a witch or something
4: no that i had read that too and i don't even remember that but yeah that was in oh Uh, jughead uh, 200 yeah well that was when they went to like the from what i remember that's when they went to like the real look or whatever for a while so it was Mm -hmm. more of a realistic style Mm -hmm. at which kind of they still do um in some of the books but you know the digests are all still the traditional look mm-hmm. right. but um yeah i think that was i'd read that too i think i would say it was like 2007 or something like that they said i saw and something
2: it, about like in for jughead's anniversary issue 200 number 200 uh she tells him and yeah. uh they do a spell something goes wrong or something and i think that's the one where they gender bin like all the characters and then yeah. it's a mess and so by the end of it you know, Jughead forgets. She makes Jughead forget, but I mean, for okay. that brief to, for, for that brief right. moment, uh, he does know. Um, I think that's the story. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, but...
4: that, that sounds right. So now, there was. I'm just gonna. We we're talking about the Sabrina, the old Sabrina show, well, the live action Sabrina show. Mm-hmm. I don't think I dreamed this. I think I heard this like a year ago, but it never came to fruition, and I don't know what the story was. But did you guys hear that? they were talking about doing like a uh a remake of that with melissa joan hart is like widowed with kids yeah i heard about that yeah you did hear about that yeah no i heard about it's like what i was thinking did i dream that but yeah but you didn't didn't do more about it okay (laughs) well she did
2: she did this sort of satire thing on what is it funny or die site where she and salem are reunited after a while um uh, and it's it's actually Melissa Joan Hart and the guy who played like the puppet or whatever um right, and I didn't watch it, but i it's it's a satire. I don't know if that's what you
4: that's what you're referring to, or no, I heard they were actually she had mm-mm. presented the idea of doing a show where oh, wow. no they were was, ser-
3: they were serious about doing it.
4: yeah but i guess it didn't take off or something that was maybe like a year ago or something yeah it was just like i
3: think it was during the pandemic and i think because of the pandemic oh gotcha that's why
4: it got nixed she was on some talk one of these like talk shows like recently um afternoon talk shows or something they they kind of promoted melissa joan hart's new uh new gig or something like that so i thought they were going to mention it you know, in there, but it turned out she has some, like, podcast now she does or something. So I guess that kind of fell by the wayside. Everyone has hmm. a podcast,
3: dude. Come on. <laughs>
2: she, she,
4: she does have a podcast.
2: I, I I did watch a couple of episodes and research of this, too, because she was talking okay. about behind the scenes of making Sabrina and everything. Sabrina is a big, was, a big, like, for as big as she was with Clarissa uh, Knows All, like, Sabrina put her, like, in the upper, like, she was a household name. And I I don't think she's done anything since then to get that big since then. Um, So I could definitely see where it would be attractive to to go back to that. Well, I I
6: think, I think it worked kind of mutual, you know, I mean, I really think the Melissa Joan Hart version of Sabrina really put Sabrina on the map. I mean, the earlier cartoon show did great ratings, you know, was a really big show, but like, that new live action, you know, and you know, we were talking about there was a huge gap between that cartoon series and the Melissa Joan Hart version. And it I just feel like uh it really the Melissa Joan Hart version really made Sabrina like huge. Right. You know, Absolutely. You know, I mean character. she was
2: she was probably the most successful, maybe archie character in live action form that had ever like I mean, because the Archies hadn't really been able to convert to live action very well. Um, no, they so tried was... a
3: few
4: different times. Too. <laughs> they there, <did>. was, <laughs> there was a 70s, I don't know if you guys saw it. I the 70, remember the 70s. We, one. we had that oh. one at the office, I remember, but it had the, oh. one of the Landers sisters and Betty, I think. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was.
6: Uh, well, you all um, cut that part out, but uh, <laughs> it was bad. I don't like to say anything bad about Archie,
4: but... No, that, I know. Like, but it, yeah, yeah, I mean, we... we, we were, <laughs> We were laughing about it then, you know, it was just late 80s by then 90s, but it was just funny to watch it.
2: Mm-hmm. So, uh, so all good things must come to an end, of course. So, the show ends, she does a couple of uh movies and everything, uh, TV made for TV movies. Um, and then, uh, you know, because because uh, Mama Heart still has the license, they uh, uh they um, license off a or they create a cartoon, a Sabrina cartoon uh with um sabrina younger she's a yeah. pre-teen early teen somewhere like in there right yeah. yeah and uh voiced by melissa's younger sister emily uh melissa actually does the voice of both aunts in the show uh the right. uh voice of salem is the same as it was in the sitcom as well um but it's uh It's quite interesting to watch. I watched a couple of episodes of those and it's definitely, uh, the animation is actually pretty good on it. Um, I think it holds up pretty well. Um, Mark, do you know anything more about that series or?
6: Um, Yeah. So it was produced by Deke Enterprises. And, you know, there's an interview in my book with Robbie London, who was one of the executives running Deke at the time. And they were all about, uh, you know, uh, doing animated ad- adaptations of anything that was live action. Um And so I think it was like a, a really great marriage between the, you know, Melissa Joan Hart's family and Deke Enterprises, because that doing something like a Sabrina series was, you know, right in their their wheelhouse. And as far as I know, the series was pretty successful. And um it looked like, the Deke Sabrina series also utilized some early CGI for some of the scenes. You know, um the technology did exist, but you know, super expensive. And according yeah. to animators that were working during that era, you know, like trying to work with 3D animation in the early days was not fun. But um I, I thought they did a, a pretty good job uh with that series. Um and and it kind of added to the Sabrina universe and gave the Sabrina character, some additional legs, and and a different point of view in a different universe as well.
2: Mm-hmm. um Bill, I know that the title changed and and put and and young and made her younger
4: too. So yeah.
2: followed, that was in more in line with the cartoon,
4: right? And I never worked on that one. I can't remember who was who was. It was somebody out of house was writing it then. I think it maybe was one of the Sonic writers. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so. That Um they, they did that as a title for a while and then they switched later to I guess it was after that they switched to the more manga look right so, well in
2: between that I think is your, yeah. your and Holly G's run
4: because after yeah, well, she's younger yeah, Holly, and when, then when, the, when the I was card- doing that the Holly G I think that was maybe that was after the show I can't remember if that was that was before the show ended so that was still during the show and so did the cartoon come out while the, the live action was still going on or no?
2: It might have. I'd have to look at the dates I, on it. There might be I some bleed over. Yeah. I I,
4: the book I, At some point, the book did switch. It went from, you know, I, Dana Carlo was doing it. Then Holly G was doing it. And um, I was writing it. Then, I uh, can't remember who it is. What? Um, one of the Sonic guys started writing it then, and I started doing you know more of the traditional Archie stuff, and then then it switched to the Sabrina's New Adventures of Sabrina, or whatever it was called, and I think that writer continued to do it. Right?
2: Yeah, my understanding is is that yeah, it was it had the Melissa Joan Hart covers first, and then they went to the younger like the cartoon one and then yeah. it went back because of there's something that said like Archie Comics said something because you demanded it or something they aged her again so she's a teenager so she's a proper teenager right uh, um, yeah. and then,
3: because and then, you and demanded
4: it of course
2: that goes for a yeah. few years right? and I thought that was when you and Holly G were on it
4: no i um I'm trying to think like when I, I um, left the office in 98 mm-hmm. and so the show was still running then and I was still writing it, I think, and then at some point it did the whole you know then then Holly was drawing it after Dan, and then it did I get confused if the manga thing was before that or after that, but there was an issue where the teenage Sabrina meets the younger Sabrina, and then the next issue is like, right the right Sabrina. yes okay. and then and but then there I, was a crossover, and um that's when. Whoever the creative was on that was doing it. And, but at some point after that, maybe it, maybe it did go back to Teenage Sabrina, but I don't remember how the run ended on the book because I wasn't well, working on it. It did, say,
2: it did, it did suggest that from what I understand, it did suggest that there was a, I think there was another crossover issue where
4: the, oh, where she went back. Maybe that's she, when she turned, manga. she,
2: like she became manga. And then, like, at the end of that issue, she she was more ma- manga. And then she was manga for, like, I don't know, 50 more issues or something like that. And right. Because so, like, it went to, like, issues, like, 71 or 70. It, it was in its 70s um, until it kind of right. petered out. But, yeah, um, yeah, true. Interesting. Um, and I definitely want to talk about... Um, the later stuff. I know we don't have a lot of time to talk about the later stuff, but uh so so it seems like there's a little bit of a void after that. Like maybe maybe everybody was Sabrina's out. <laughs> but well, then, it was
4: kind of like that that gap between, you know, the right. cartoon and the uh and, and the and, and, the, and uh, the Melissa Joan Hart show, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're just kind of was like in the background.
1: Yeah. And um, then
4: along comes the uh you know the the new Sabrina stuff, which is right. a lot more dark. Yeah. Man, uh,
2: well, in uh dark. Archie, meanwhile, is doing some really interesting things in the early 2000s. Um, And then in 2013, they come out with a book called Afterlife with Archie, which is basically yeah. Archie meets Walking Dead. And right. in it, it introduces it's it's written by Roberto Aguirre. Poor, poor
3: hot dog. Poor hot dog. And uh, zombie, <laughs> I
2: mean, zombie, yeah. zombie jughead and Sabrina is in it and she has a big role actually in it a huge role yeah.
4: in what it, goes on red hot dog right yeah
2: and that causes the dead everywhere to to rise um yeah, yeah and uh, spoilers actually uh but uh <gasps> um right. anyway this Esther's in a whole new era. the success of this this book goes crazy and yeah. it's a really good book too and unfortunately well, they but... didn't get a chance to finish it but
4: no and you know how it ended right i don't what?
2: even know that it ended yet like it's still waiting where it <laughs> dropped
4: off where it dropped off or you know maybe they'll bring it back at some point or you know if the creative team decides to get back together on it but i remember what is it Josie and the pussycats turned out to be vampires That's why they were always oh. young <laughs> and they were on the way to riverdale their plane was like being diverted to riverdale where all the zombies were so it was gonna be vampires versus zombies uh, and right, dosing the pussy get zo- um vampires versus the Archie character zombies, uh, vampires, yeah, versus the zombies. But oh, I forgot about that because the plane didn't, um, the next issue didn't come out, it has, has never come out. Gonna,
2: uh, we're still yeah. waiting. Uh, yeah. the um, so but, but Sabrina is a huge force in that, and that, and it, it's successful, so, so successful that they're like, oh, we need a spin-off. I mean, we have a horror line. Sabrina is definitely what we need in that horror line. And yes, so we come out with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, with the same author as Afterlife with Archie, Roberto. And really? uh Sakasa does uh gets a um another artist, a Robert, a Robert Hack Robert Heck uh to work on it. Excellent series. Uh it's actually my favorite of the horror. Like it's so good, it's so dark, it's yeah. so disturbing um it it reminds me it has a feel like it takes place in the 60s and it has this feel like like rosemary's baby or the omen or the exorcist like those those kind of uh, properties which used to freak me out as a kid still freak me out and and so um really good writing um they went up to issue eight and then kind of stopped for a while they just came out with issue nine uh so i guess it's continuing But that was the inspiration behind the Netflix series, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which we have, uh, which has been uh, really successful for um, for
4: Netflix. Right. But and I'm sad to say I have not watched all I think I watched the first season of that, but um, I haven't seen the rest of it. But it wasn't as dark as the comic, was it? Oh uh, my god. No, the, the, the series is really? not. No, the series is oh. not as dark as well, the comic. Okay. You don't think That's so? right, I remember no. in the comic. Book, <laughs> Har- Harvey didn't Harvey eat his dark. parents? Harvey and huh? his parents in the comic book. No, 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 oh, no. It's, 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 the,
2: it's the well, yes, actually cuz Harvey uh, gets It was kids, actually Har-
4: Sabrina's Sabrina's right. father yeah. Harvey gets possessed by hungry. another
2: entity who eats his parents. Right. Yes. There's yeah. the, there,
4: and, I mean, and it's like, okay. I yeah, don't know. And and <laughs> and
2: and there's there's like there's cannibalism. There's there's a like it's really dark. Um it is. It's, yeah. Um so yeah, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on 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 Netflix. It was supposed to be originally another uh program for the CW, it was gonna be a spinoff of Riverdale but they decided they get to go their own way with it. Um, but it is uh, produced by Greg Berlanti. Uh, same thing. Um, it has had a couple crossovers with Riverdale, um, after it was over Uh, the series is over on Netflix. It's really good. I'm halfway through it now. I'm loving it. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it before, but all this month, I've been watching it and it's, I think it's wonderful. I think, uh, uh Kiernan Shipka plays uh Sabrina and I think she's perfect. Michelle Gomez is great in it. It's got a great cast, and it even has cameos by uh some other uh folks that were in Sabrina. It's got references to the to everything, actually. It's got references to everything. So I think it's really good, but you guys haven't had a chance to watch it much or
6: oh I've watched it. I watched I
4: finished it. Okay. okay. And you enjoyed it? Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was. I'll have to, I'll have to revisit it. I don't know. I watched the first season of Riverdale and after that it was like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't. and I, and I don't know if that's because I know a lot of people tell me the same thing that grew up with it. It's just like they don't. They it's not, it's not that want. Archie, right? Yeah. It's you not, gotta, I guess you just got to look at it with a different eye, yeah. but I haven't been able to do that yet. Yeah, yeah. Totally. In the beginning, it
6: was hard for me with Riverdale, you know, being an Archie fan my entire life. But then I just looked at it as, OK, this is a, just a different version of Archie in another universe. Okay. And once I got over that, I was able to watch. Yeah. And that that show has, I felt, has delivered also. But from what I understand, I think next season is Riverdale's last. Yes. Is. Yeah.
4: Yes. And they're bringing, I think Sabrina's supposed to be a regular on there, isn't she now? Oh, I, don't, I a couple of, yeah, made, made a couple of disappearances. Yeah, but in the new season,
1: yeah,
3: the new I mean, season, I, think, yeah, she new season, I think she's supposed yeah. to be a recurring character. character. Oh, that's yeah. awesome it's news! Like, yeah. I didn't yeah, know that.
4: Be really, really darker the last season. <laughs> yeah.
2: It has. It is. It, well, it can get pretty dark. I mean, look. I mean. You know, not to go into the Riverdale thing, but, you know, when the first five minutes you find out Archie's sleeping with Miss Grundy, you're kind of like, this is a different uh, yeah. Archie.
4: <laughs> like, well, <laughs> she wasn't Miss Grundy. <laughs> well,
6: and and the reason why uh, Sabrina was on Netflix was uh, Net- Netflix at the time pretty much outbid the CW yeah. for the series. Oh, really? They guaranteed two seasons up front. Okay. And the guy who was running the CW at the time he says, we don't do that for any of our series. Yeah. So, so, and, so but was, I think it was right, but I think it was good because on Netflix, they, they go a lot darker than they yeah. could have on the CW. Yeah. yeah, it's true.
2: It's true. Um, But it's all good fun. You know, I, uh I I think it's a, that's the thing. That's the thing. The tone is still kind of, I mean, as dark as it gets, it's still kind of uh, tongue in cheek. It doesn't take itself too seriously at any point, I don't think. Um, and uh, the performers are great. The style of it is great. And I think that's the, you know, Sabrina's evolved. And she evolves with the times, as we've seen, right? Oh, of um, course. So I don't know what's next for Sabrina. Who knows, right? Like, she'll probably go through a period where we don't see her for a decade. And then all sure. of a sudden, she'll pop up in <laughs> some ways else. Um but uh, we'll start with you, Bill. What do you think has been the appeal of Sabrina for the past 60 years and why she continues to to make a name for herself and be successful in these different formats?
4: Well, I I think because, you know, the, the time she came out um, with, you know, the, the first appearance and all that, um, it was around the time of, I mean, I guess it predated or was close to, you know, the first. Uh, season of Bewitched and then you had you know I Dream a genie. so I think that you know those were like adult women that could do magic and fulfill wishes or whatever and I think the Allura Sabrina is like a teenager you know like a, a younger person that has this power and can do that and I think kids thought that was cool you know like it could be you know uh, they could either uh, dream of being that. That person someday or, or, you know, and relate to it better. So I think because it, it was kind of the, as far as I I mean, of course, you had Wendy with Harvey, who was a little girl witch, but she just never seemed to be, to get it as, get together as much as Sabrina to me. I don't know, but it's yeah, um, interesting. Any, anyway, um, I think it was just something new and different, like a teenage witch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it added an element of fantasy to the Archie books that
2: I really appreciated. Um, um, And and you're right. I think it did have a little bit of uh, female empowerment to it. Because, I mean, prior to that, you had You know, I mean, no offense to Betty and Veronica, but they spend most of their time like arguing about who's going to go out with Archie, right? That's like ninety percent of what they do. Like, and the other, well, I should say that's like sixty percent of what they do. The other forty is what are they going to wear, right? Like, right. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, Mark. What about you? What uh, What do you feel like has been Sabrina's uh, attraction for to folks for the last sixty years?
6: Yeah, I think that uh, for me, when I, like I said, I was first introduced uh, uh, to the character in the Filmation series, I feel like um, I saw a little of myself in Sabrina because she was sort of like an outsider. She had this huge secret that she couldn't necessarily share with everybody. And, uh, you know, her aunts were forcing her to do bad things, but she had to find a way to make things work out for her in the end. So it was sort of like a interesting dynamic. And uh, I love the fact that like when the ghoulies came on the scene, you know, it it was sort of like she had to be cool with the ghoulies around the Archie characters sometimes when they showed up, but it was almost like she didn't want the ghoulies to out her, you know? So I, I thought that that was kind of cool too, that, you know, like, well, right. these cousins are my monsters, but if everyone finds out that I'm related to them, then they're going to know I'm a witch. And so <laughs> I just felt like Sabrina had a very complicated life. Even <laughs> though she had magic powers, it just wasn't going to be, you know, things weren't, weren't going to be as easy as you would suspect. And, uh, and I guess it was a part of me that sort of felt bad for her too. And that kind of made me like her even more. So Mm -hmm. I always think that appeal of, you know, the fish out of water, you know, whether it's alien or sorcery or witchcraft or whatever, but still out of water, not like being like everyone else. And Mm -hmm. having to deal with a whole set of issues and problems and situations that other people may not have to deal with. That made her enduring to me as a Mm -hmm. character.
1: Mike, any thoughts?
3: No, um, kind of I'm going to echo with what the two gentlemen said before um Sabrina always was appealing because she was the outsider she was a lot of times looking in at the archies and you know trying to see where she fit into the crowd and she had her secret that you know you know her aunts wanted her to do evil and she wanted to be a good witch and everything but and she had these powers and you know what kid didn't want To be, you know, be special or, you know, have, you know, powers to be able to move things with their, with a pull on her ear or whatever. And that was what was cool about it. And it was, I hate to say it, magical. And that's what made her so special. And, you know, she had these cousins, the groovy ghoulies. And so it was just really awesome to see that. And, you know, and that's what was appealing to it for me or anything i just thought it was really Mm -hmm. cool
2: i think uh early on i was uh i was attracted to our um the character um you know the fact that dan carlo's drawing her doesn't make i mean that doesn't hurt (laughs) right like (laughs) (laughs) um but the the unique look the white hair um you know nobody else had that um, difficult to translate in live action, but they—I think the new series uh, manages to do it quite well. Um, but uh, I think she set the a, sort of a template, you know. And I think even the Melissa Joan Hart show, which was a little too wholesome for me, but still like had some some supernatural elements to it. I think I think if Sabrina not successful, without the su- success of Sabrina, I don't think you get like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, You get these like characters that are dealing with supernatural elements. They're going to high school. They're dealing with high school elements. Of course, there's that, that you know, parallel there of all the things that they're facing as teenagers, as they're becoming, you know, learning about themselves Uh, in, in, in a supernatural, add the supernatural to it. And it just goes, you know, it's so it's fun to play with. And I think, you know, what we're seeing now with chilling adventures of Sabrina is kind of the reaction where Sabrina's like, okay, well, I saw what you did with Buffy. I'm going to take it in this direction now. Um, and add that to my, my repertoire as well. So I think that the character is, is one that you can play around with. You can, you can do it so that she's wholesome. You can do it so that she's like the, you know, the, the antichrist, (laughs) the potential antichrist, uh, or, or somewhere in between there's another series that, uh, uh kelly thompson is writing with uh veronica and uh andy fish doing the artwork which is kind of in between it's not you know completely wholesome but it's also not completely like evil right like it's it's that middle ground and it's a great book it looks great it's really well written i definitely encourage people to check that out um but yeah hopefully she will be i'm sure she'll be around for the next 60 years and then some So, uh, so I appreciate you guys, uh, joining us for this discussion. Uh, we're gonna be right back and we're gonna, uh, close out the show.
0: Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. So much going on. Last night I got a chance to see the David Bowie documentary, Moon Age Daydream such an incredible intense experience. If you're a Bowie fan or just a music fan, you owe it to yourself to see it on the big screen if you can, or even just streaming. It is totally worth it. And if you're a Bowie fan, you will definitely want to be in New York City on June 17th and 18th next year for the second annual David Bowie Fan Convention. The first one was in Liverpool. They're bringing it to the Big Apple next year. There will be all kinds of things going on, including Q&A sessions and appearances by his producer, Tony Visconti, guitarist, Carlos Alomar, pianist, Mike Garson, um, and all capped off with the Bowie ball, dress up to the nines, costume contest, Bowie themed drinks. The whole weekend just sounds incredible. Check out the information at bowieconvention.com. And traveling over to the other side of the United States, the Duran Duran film, A Hollywood High, comes out in theaters on November 3rd. It celebrates the band's love of Los Angeles, uh, a 75-minute documentary, uh, and the centerpiece is uh, them performing live on an L.A. rooftop. So Durannies. You've got a big month, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction and this. And speaking of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, KK Downing has confirmed that he will play with the band at their induction next month. So that is good news. I'm still not sure if Glenn Tipton is going to be able to, but we're getting closer to that to that lineup. So good news indeed. And Sade, the singer and the band, remember the band is Sade also, they have been recording new music at Miraval Studios in France, so we will all wait to hear what comes of that new music hopefully soon. And Bruce Springsteen will uh, be releasing his album Only the Strong Survive on November 11th. It is all soul covers, including tracks by the Four Tops, Aretha, The Temptations, and more. He has released in advance a cover of the Commodores, uh, post-Lionel Richie Commodore's 1985 hit Night Shift. Uh, He wanted an album where he was just singing, and he wanted to cover these soul tracks. So uh, new music that's a little change of pace from The Boss This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. We'll catch you next time.
7: Coming this summer to a podcast near you. Be prepared for the return of... The Jedi. No, the return of... The King. No, The Return of.
3: Swamp
2: Thing? You are such an idiot. The Return of.
3: Oh, 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 The Monster Sci-Fi Show. Yes, it's coming back and it's about time. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the Rebel Alliance, part of your complete breakfast, and part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view.
7: Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Netflix series, The Midnight Club. All the spooky shows are coming out for the month of October, and the one that I was most excited about is out on Netflix right now, The Midnight Club, based off of Christopher Pike's young adult horror book series. Now, this show was absolutely amazing to watch and was exactly what I wanted. As a longtime Christopher Pike fan who grew up with these books and these stories, I was just so thrilled about how well this was done. The series focuses on a group of teenagers who have come to live in a group home because each one of them has a different form of a terminal illness. Each night at midnight, they sneak out of their rooms and tell each other's stories in the library of the house they live in. Each of these stories are a different Christopher Pike book. So if you grew up reading these books, you'll you'll actually like recognize all these stories. Some of the stories from the episodes are The Wicked Heart, Give Me a Kiss, See You Later, Witch, and Road to Nowhere. And if you look really closely and you remember the iconic covers of these books growing up, you'll see that they really did try in some of the shots to get the cover of the book in there. This series was so well done and showed that Mike Flanagan really understood the source material and Christopher Pike was a producer on the show as well. So I am glad that they really did this series right. Because as someone who grew up with these books, I was so happy about every single episode of this show, and I really, really hope we get a second season because I want them to finish the story. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out.
3: So that's going to wrap up another episode of the earth station one podcast i want to thank our guests for being here bill thank you so much for joining us tonight this has Welcome been awesome thank you and yeah, you were here for the shit. whole show it was pretty
2: cool
4: we're not
2: letting him out of the chair
4: okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he's not supposed to know I, that yet catch now yeah <laughs> exactly He's going to take a little bit of Earth Station 1 with him wherever he goes. Just remember <laughs>
4: that. Right. I better get that magnet, okay? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Anything
3: you want to promote or shout out about, sir?
4: Well, I yeah, I talked to, uh, you know, folks at Archie told them I was coming on here, so I was just going to mention, the, you know, since we were talking about the 60th anniversary of Sabrina, some books that were out right now. Um, we do have um, Sabrina, Teenage witch, witch, 60 Years of Magic. That's one of the... Um, Archie Showcase Digest, which is a, a series they've done for the 80th anniversary and then continuing it now with Sabrina's um, 60th. That's issue 10 of Archie Showcase Digest. And if you can't find it in your comic shop, you can always go to archiecomics.com and pick that up. And the other one, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, 60 Magical Stories. I know that one's on Amazon. It features story from the all six decades. And, um, probably on the archiecomics.com website as well. And there was a 32 page, um, Sabrina anniversary spectacular, which came out, I believe it was last month. It sold out and, um, on, in the stores. And so it's been reprinted now. And that, like I said, I don't think it's available on archiecomics.com, but you can find it in your comic shop. And that's, uh, uh, $299.30. 32 page so that's definitely a value and you want to pick that up
2: that's awesome That is awesome. So look at that sold out she's still hot 60 years old yeah, she's still selling out <laughs>
4: exactly she still she
3: still doesn't look older than 16 so it's awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah it has to be magic it has to be that is awesome and mr mccray thank you my friend
6: Yeah, it was great being uh, part of the discussion, celebrating Sabrina's uh, well-earned 60 years in uh, in media, animation, and live action. Uh, Our girls come a long way. Um, Let's see. For me, um, my new book, uh, The Paperboy Dimensional Adventures, uh, is ready. Um, You can go to Paperboy Dimensions if you want to get a look and purchase a copy. It's about a comic book cartoon geek who finds out when he's a teenager that he's an alien and has superpowers tangles with the wrong villain, moves into a haunted house and comes out on the other end of that, like Dr. Strange. So Whoa. It's a, lot, <laughs> it's a lot going on. <laughs> Checked off a lot of boxes for me, Mark.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, yeah, okay. So,
6: um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm doing a soft launch of the book, uh, you know, right before Halloween, because it does have like a little horror slash, um, um, you know, uh, science fiction feel to it. Um, And also, if people are interested, they can purchase my first book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, that chronicles how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the uh, proving ground to what will become the 24-Hour Kids Network. And uh, also, I'd like to talk about the podcast of the same name, uh, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, that I co-host with uh, Dan Clink on a very cool particular network, uh, the ESO Network, and it's also available oh. on all type oh. of uh, uh, podcasting platforms.
3: As we so, always like yeah. to say, it's up there with all the other fine podcasts all around <laughs> wherever you do. Whichever podcast you know browser you're using or aggregator, as they like to call it, type in Best Saturdays of your life, you will find some amazing stuff up there. It's pretty awesome. So definitely, Mark, thank you, thank you, as always, mm-hmm. to be here, mm-hmm. my friend. And Mr. Mike Gordon, we made it through another one.
2: We did, and as always, my pleasure, we uh, we made it through the countdown to Halloween. I mean, we're, we only were able to do three weeks this month because, uh, you know... Dwayne Johnson just came and muscled in on our, on our territory. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to be, you know, devoting an episode to that next week. Um, But uh, it's been great fun to talk all about like spooky things. Uh, We've had a great uh, number of guests, including the ones today uh, that have joined us. It's just, it's so much fun. I I love this time of year and uh, it's been great to do that.
3: It was awesome. We tried telling him, you know, but Dwayne, it's the countdown to Halloween. He just looked at us and said, I don't care. It's the countdown to Halloween. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Matter. Just, it uh, yeah, doesn't yeah. matter.
6: Yeah. So it's it's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah.
3: But you did a great um, job with the three topics. And I know you already have plans for next couple of years already ahead of us. I
2: have the next five years planned out. Are you kidding me? Like, this is never going to get old. So, uh, it could, uh, it could almost be its own podcast. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're, Wheels we're, are spinning. I've, I'm counting down to something else already, uh, every, every month. So I, I don't need another thing to count down to, uh, as podcast wise, but in any case, um, and I also want to give just a real quick, um, it's not really a shout out, but a tribute to, uh, the loss of a great actress, Angela, Lance, Dame Angela Lansbury that we lost, uh, this past week where, I mean, she's award-winning, uh, she was, uh, amazing and, uh, created characters performances uh in seven decades worth of stuff depending on when you were born is when you what you what you know her best from for some of us it's bed knobs and broomsticks for others it's mrs potts and beauty and the beast like it's like uh, you know for a lot of people it's miss fletcher from murder she wrote Like she just did so much. um, And uh, her work, her body work is incredible. They're going to be giving a tribute to her um, on TCM in about a week or so. They'll do 24 hours, uh, show about uh, 12 of her movies, 10 or 12 of her movies. So check that out if you haven't, uh, if there's an Angela Lansbury performance that you're that you haven't been aware of. But um, she was really great. And it's a big loss.
3: Mm-hmm. i think the first time i remember was bedknobs and broomsticks
4: yeah me too yeah,
2: i th- I think for a lot of us that was i mean she was right then speaking of magical women right like <laughs> she was, oh yeah she, <laughs> she was oh. another magical woman around that time right
3: right oh very much so very very much so um i'm gonna go look at the other end of you know with life and death and birth um, is my shout out. Um, want to do a huge congratulations to my nephew and original earth station one co-host. He became a dad today around 11 AM. Let's welcome Sylvie Jane Rin into the world, seven pounds, five ounces and 20 inches. And so she and her mom are, did it came into the world quite wonderfully. Samantha, Dan, I'm so proud of you guys. You guys are going to be great parents. And, you know, they're decorating the room full of dragons and stuff. Even the mobile they have there, it's going to be dragons. So they're doing something right from the very beginning. So I'm very, very happy to hear that. And, you know, with the name Sylvie, you know, that can only mean trouble in a lot of ways. So i I'm they're going to have a lot of sleepless nights. They're going to have a lot of adventures. And you know what? Before you know... It's going to be, you know, kids going to be 18 and going off to college. It's pretty awesome. And I'm still shocked. My little nephew is a parent. And, and the best thing about it is teasing my little sister, who's a grandma. So it's awesome.
1: <laughs>
3: and so it's even better with that. But, you know, we've got some great things going on right now. And you know what? Thanks for everyone who's been commenting on my photos from our trip. The last couple of weeks, and it's like at a horrible time. I'm so sorry. I, if it, it, it was miserable, you know. Being in on the Mediterranean was horrible, you know. Going yeah, what you a know,
2: nightmare! It yeah. was, yeah. It,
3: you know, you know, being being in Greece, being in Italy, being in, Italy, being in Spain. You know, come Every on. Every second you, know.
2: you were like, I wish I was back on the station podcasting with Mike.
3: <laughs> I, I'm, I maybe thought of that for an eighth of a second, maybe, maybe. <laughs> So, but, you know, for someone like me, that's a long time. So, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome, but yeah, it's, you know, it's been a great couple of weeks and Mike has done a great job at keeping up the stuff with, you know, promoting the podcasts and keep stuff going. And you could definitely find us, you know, please, if you have a chance, you know, check out our YouTube channel. We actually got, you know, you know, we've got a few subscribers up there. We also have had, you know, a couple people giving thumbs-ups. We even had a thumbs-down already. So, hey, we're doing something, right? Now we've arrived. That
1: that definitely
3: means something's going on pretty awesome. So, definitely check it out. You can find us up on YouTube under Earth Station One. Not too hard, folks. So, definitely check it out, as we like to say. Also, next week, we are going to be back. We are going to be looking, as Mike mentioned... Dwayne the Rock Johnson is going to be Black Adam. That's right. It's going to be a very interesting look at the DCU. And, you know, we're getting the Justice Society. I'm geeking out on that one. It is pretty darn awesome. We're going to get Dr. Fate. We're going to get Hawkman. We're getting Adam Smasher. We're getting, you know, Cyclone, a few others too. So it's going to be real interesting to see um, these characters on the big screen and, a lot of people who have, um, you know, seen it already or some of the early reviews have been giving very thumbs up. So definitely looking forward to seeing what happens with that. So at least it's not a Zack Snyder film. That's all I have to say. So. <laughs> but of course, we definitely would love to hear from <clears throat> you guys. Feedback at EarthStationOne.com. Please, you know, write us. Let us know what we're, you're enjoying. It's If you're liking what we're doing with the YouTube stuff. Please let us know. We're growing and we're learning along the way. So tell us how we can fix it or what you guys would want to see up there. So definitely please. And as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at NSCLiveTV.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. Now, Earth Station One can also be found on video format, on YouTube, like we've mentioned. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about it. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Bill Goyer, and of course, Mark McRae. Thank you for listening, folks. We'll see you here on Earth Station One next time. And you know what? Hug your loved ones. Be grateful for what you have. And you know what? Just have fun with what's going on in life right now. There's too much crap out of there, folks. And you know what? If you smile and try to have a good time about it, it, it makes the things, the bad stuff disappear. So please enjoy yourself. We'll see you next time here on Earth Station One. Peace and we are done. Boom.
1: Yay. I
3: stumbled
1: awesome. You've been
3: listening to the Earth Station <laughs> One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it.